Welcome to the Drop Time Report. Turn up the volume and listen to amazing stories about big bucks and the hunters who harvested them. Here's your host, outdoor writer, Tracy Breen. On this episode, we're going to have on Tim Zelenka. Uh, Tim is a Michigan hunter who travels to Kansas most years. And today we're going to talk about an enormous buck that he recently shot in Kansas. Uh, we're going to talk about some of his tactics. Uh, he loves using decoys when chasing big bucks. Um, he hunts off the ground some. He hunts in tree stands. Uh, he often pays close attention to hunting pressure and how it relates to the property he's hunting. And so he's going to share a lot of tips about, you know, traveling to a faraway land and trying to figure things out and how he goes about doing that. Uh, he also owns an archery company um, that I've had the pleasure of working with the last few months called ARD, Adjustable Red Dot. And uh, that company manufactures a mount that goes on a bow and you use a red dot system, a red dot scope system instead of a conventional um, sight. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the ARD system and how that can improve your shooting, especially uh, if you're tired of using peep sights. Before we get Tim on the show, I'd like to thank my sponsors, uh, Redneck Blinds, Fourth Hero Camera Arms, Winsent, Morel Targets, Huntworth, Clothing, Pine Ridge Archery, Lucky Buck Mineral, Grim Reaper Broadheads, Schaefer Performance Archery, Illinois Connection, Outdoorsman's, and Wilderness Athlete. Uh, to save a couple bucks on your Wilderness Athlete, enter Drop10 at checkout and get a discount. Now let's go ahead and get Tim on the show. Congratulations on the big buck, first of all. Um, so what day did you kill this buck? Uh, November 9th. Okay. And did you have camera pictures of this deer or... No, he was there or no? No, we've never seen this particular deer. Okay. And is that common in the part of Kansas you're hunting? I mean, does this happen every year or, you know? It it seems like, you know, we see stuff on camera and then you never see him again. Though um, so this year we saw several bucks oh, many different times, but, uh, you know, not this one. Okay. Now, how many years have you been hunting Kansas? About 20. Okay. And, you know, you don't have a bunch of ground down there yourself. You're kind of relying on, you know, farmers or those kind of things. What, what is your, what's your strategy from year to year? How do you figure it out? Are you using cell cameras all fall or kind of, kind of explain what you do to figure those, figure out where to hunt, when to hunt, those kind of things. Well, traditionally, just because we, we have the same, you know, pieces of ground every year, you know, some of them that are great one year are terrible the next, just kind of depending, you know, what crop rotation they're on, you know, um, you know, corn, beans, wheat. Um, so you try to, you know, early on, maybe you're trying to get a little bit closer to food and, and the edge stuff. And once the rut's on, you just get back into the our traditional spots, um, you know, where they seem to run dopes and, and just stick with those. You know, we're sticking trail cameras out in, in March and then um, coming back in September and, and updating all those summer cell camps. Um, but it just changes. It seems as soon as they, you know, cut one crop, 
you know, their habits totally change. So it's, it's, we just don't have that type of property that um, is big enough that we can really hone in on them and, and try to predict exactly what they're doing where we see them in the same location day after day. So, so what size of property is this? Well, we shot the, that, or shot that deer. I mean, the, the whole farm is, is probably 300 acres, but there's probably, you know, 80 acres of trees and that farmer lets lots of people hunt it. So we're, we kind of deal with that too. You know, what days are, you know, other people in there, but you know, most of them, they might be big properties like that, but just because of the lay of the land or, or the wind, maybe they're only good for one stand. And so you might have 15 stands, but on any given day, maybe you can only hunt five or six of them. And out of those, just due to crops that year, maybe some of them just aren't any good. Um, but. So how have you, I mean, maybe that'll kind of be one of the themes of this podcast. How have you dealt with other hunting pressure? You know, people think of private land in Kansas and they think, oh my, you know, it's the land of giants and it's going to be easy and all those kind of things. But you throw in, I have found when a hunter, or excuse me, farmers that give lots of hunters permission, it's in some ways can be no different hunting public land. So how have you dealt with that? You know, if there's, if, if it just stinks because, you know, they're there, then we just don't hunt it. Um, these particular spots, it just seems like they're not that great of hunters. <laughs> and they're, they go to spots, okay. that, they go to spots that don't really affect us too much, you know, but we, we try to meet, remain invisible basically. And, uh, you know, we don't, you know, don't park on roads. We get dropped off. It just, I think that helps, um, you know, even though you have permission being there, just get in and out of there and without people seeing you, well, you know, those, you know, the deers knowing you're there. Um, but um, on some of the spots, I think it helped, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't people hunting the, the properties next door at all. And then, the next week they rolled in there and the first time they went in, the deer were blowing everywhere because of those other people. And then finally we started seeing deer. They were just, they were bedding in a spot <laughs> where those people traditionally okay. hunted and they blew them all out. So, but. Now, did you kill this deer from a tree stand or the ground? I know you've been doing both. I shot that one from a tree stand. I did shoot a doe after that from the ground. But it was it was fun shooting a doe from the ground. I'll say that. So uh, this buck, I know you're scoring them with, you know, SCI scoring just to, uh, you know, pump them up a little bit, I guess. And maybe many would say that the SCI system is a little more fair because it only goes off gross score. But his gross SCI score is what? It's pretty close to 205. And and I think okay. even, even um, net... Uh, Boone and Crockett will still be in the 160s because we had one, you know, the, the shortest side we had was was still between 75 and 80 without the spread put in there. So just and and how many points did this buck have? It had 10 typical points, four on one side, six on the other, and then one non-typical. Yeah, he had a drop time, right? Yeah, yeah. We had another deer now, on how camera there. That was a double drop time on the same side, so we weren't sure if maybe they're related, but 
I don't know how old it. It's pretty heavy, but it's got to be five and a half, six and a half, you know. But sure. So I guess break down the day of the hunt. Um, you know, uh, to kind of tell us the story. Well, kind of as usual, we were hunting with a few different, you know, my my son and a couple other guys that we, you know, figure out where we got to go for the the wind. This particular spot, you got to walk all the way to the center of the section. So the half mile walk just to, to get where you need to go. And I get there into the combine in the middle, you know, wrapping up, cutting the corn. And typically that's, you wouldn't think it's a big deal. I mean, those deer see them all the time. And, um, I would say probably a half hour or so after they stopped cutting the, um, I'd set a decoy up prior to that. Um, we use a Montana decoy. They're light. They, okay. they work really well. Um, I would say a hundred percent of the time they fool the bucks. And, uh, so we set the decoy up, you know, usually 30 yards away upwind, you have the decoy facing into the wind. The bucks typically want to come around the, the backside of the deer. Um, I usually spray a lot of deer dander around on the ground and, and use some other scent. Um, they don't seem too affected by your ground scent out there like they would in Michigan. Um, but when I first saw the deer, I just saw his antlers above a branch and it uh, took me a second to figure out, oh, he's just, he's just staring up the decoy. And from the time I saw him to actually started marching me and, and, and shot him was about 40 seconds. So he really didn't waste any time. Um, so he come charging into the decoy and you shot him? Is that the moral of the Pretty much in. Yeah, he just kind of, you know, got all, you know, they kind of walk a little sideways and, and, get all yep. postured up at the decoy and when he got about five yards from it he gave a little rock back and forth and i thought i think he realizes that something's not quite right here and so i had to shoot him right there but so let's talk about decoying then a little bit um i mean i've had mixed results with decoying it seems like of course i'm using them here in michigan and there's a lot of pressure here but um you know mixed results at best what, what do you th- what do you think the key to success for you is as far as I mean you're saying a hundred percent of the time they're working that's a pretty strong statement Every why time. do you think that is I mean during the rut I don't the Montana decoy it just looks like a deer and because it's just a picture on a you know as they walk around yeah, it, 2D. It, it looks like it's moving and they they they're they just fools them every time. I mean, does don't care for it particularly, but uh, you can really get those deer to take their focus off of you a little bit and, uh, you know, get them to come in really close. You know, small deer come into them. Sometimes they come in and they just, they mess with it forever and they, they're, they just can't get, you know, get it out of their head, you know, but um, I, really they worked every single time. So I don't, we, during the rut and, we always carry that thing that folds up small. So now are you spraying it down with odor elimination spray or anything like that or no? The only thing I spray on it, I spray a little I put some scent on it, you know, James Valley I was using and then just deer dander, which is a team Fitzgerald stuff. I don't that smells like yeah. deer, but yeah. um you know, spray it on the ground, spray it on your boots. They don't, they just don't get that worked up about it. Like I think some of those big does, 
you know, they may, but um, the Bucks just seem so infatuated by it. They, you know, even small ones want to get all worked up. How many years have you been using decoys? Not not a ton. Probably five or six years we've been using those Montana decoys. Okay. We've had the and other it Just ones. from the get-go it worked? I mean, from the get-go it was from the dynamite? Get-go, yeah, from the get-go it worked. We have used those, you know, the big plastic ones before. They're, they're just so bulky, you know, to, to carry in. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go out there without one. So. Okay. Now, do you have it facing you, or how I, how do you have the decoy positioned? I've talked to different guys about that. What's your go-to? It seems to be put the decoy upwind of you, facing into the wind. So maybe 30 yards, 40 yards away. Then the deer, it can, becomes, they want to come downwind of the decoy. So you want them to come downwind of the decoy between you and the decoy. And then they're, they're, okay. they're facing away from you or quartering away looking at the decoy. And it makes it easy to get a shot. So are they, so you're, are you looking for a 20, 30 yard shot? I mean, is that kind of, you're hoping they come around, they circle, you know, wide enough that they're. Yeah. We're hoping they come within 20 yards. You know, you're going to set it at 30. And it really depends too on where you're hunting. You know, it's a little iffy if you get into a spot that's a little tight and you're going to use a decoy, you know, then you're going to have to put the decoy pretty close to you because you get it too far away um it's just it's too thick maybe you can't get a shot so there, there's some instances where you just don't bring it with you it's, it's just too thick and you never know what's going to happen but any space where there's a little bit of an opening or uh, you know maybe a little field it definitely probably works better no i've never used in montana so um, explain to me how quick does that thing set up? I know they're super compact. Yeah, it's basically like a, a piece of fabric with the deer printed on it, and it has a piece of mm-hmm. spring steel in it. So you just it just open opens up, and you push the legs in it. The legs sticking the legs in it probably takes a couple minutes, you know, to put them in and hook. There's a little piece of elastic you hook, and then just stick it in the ground. But you know, it folds up like eight or nine inches around. So it's nothing to carry it, stick it in your pocket, put it in your pack. Um, it doesn't weigh anything. So is it five minutes or less? It, yeah, easy, less than five minutes. So. Okay. And how many times have you and your group of guys um, had a decoy work out there? <sighs> More times where we've killed one on it. I've had lots where I've killed them on it and, just, yeah, um, I have a few other ones on video that we've actually shot them, and tons of times where we we had stuff that was just too small that we that we passed up, but they all came into the decoy, you know, countless times. Okay. So because they're focused on the decoy um, and not on you, obviously, is it pretty easy getting the full draw and all the things you got to worry about normally? Does it become easier because they're just infatuated with that decoy? I think it's a lot easier. And um, I think you're still cautious, you know, just depending out there how windy it is and stuff. But much easier when they're, you know, not paying attention to you. And it's a little different than Michigan out there. Um, they just don't yeah. look up. They they don't. In Michigan, we would, you know, we get spotted all the time if we're not 
high enough for lots of cover out there. It just doesn't seem to make that much difference. You rarely get spotted. So That brings up another point. So because of the success out there, do you ever use the decoy when you're hunting in Michigan or other high-pressured states? <laughs> I'd, I've used it a couple times here, but uh, the, the biggest problem using it here is where you've got a lot of does. I think the does freak out too much and they kind of blow your cover. So Okay. Um, plus I, I don't know. I don't I'm more hunting out in Kansas during the rut than I am in Michigan, so it's probably not fair to to say. You mean you don't want to shoot those uh, 40-inch <laughs> basket racks? Exactly. We're just like, yeah, I don't know, we'll give it up. Maybe we'll go shoot some does in December, but uh, yeah, it's not that big a deal here. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's switch gears quick. Um, you have been working on a... a both site set up and you've brought that to market um the ard system adjustable red dot system uh talk a little bit about that i know one of the key factors and the key reasons uh you like it so much is you can eliminate a peep site uh talk about the bracket and what makes it different from you know other sites out there probably the biggest difference just looking at it we're not we're no we don't have any pins we're using a you know a the best one to use is a tube style red dot and we're it's getting mounted right around the riser um not out front so your our our weight is right in the center of the riser um that would be the biggest thing looking at it that you're going to see difference you know the the part the movement the adjustable part up and down it uh it acts similar to like a single pin slider um as far as how it works, we use clicks rather than a sight tape. Um, mm-hmm. And why are you able to eliminate uh, the peep, the peep sight? Explain kind of how bow torque works with the red dot and all those kind of so things. The, the principle with, with a, how a red dot works, it's basically a tube inside of a tube. So when you're adjusting your windage, that tube inside the tube is changing angles. And and that's what um, keeps you aligned with the dot. So as long as the dot's in the center, you're straight. You're not torquing the bow. Um, your head's in the correct position. So we don't need that, that two-site system like a peep and pin to keep us lined up in, in the exact same spots and um, all the other anchor points that come along with it as far as string on your nose, clutch in the corner of your mouth. You can do those things if it helps you and makes you feel comfortable, but it's, it's really not necessary. The, the biggest thing is, you know, keep the dot in the center. And the way we keep the dot in the center is making sure our our front hand, we're not torquing the bow. And so that's a big question we get, get asked is, how is that repeatable? And I go, just because the dots in the center, that's why they're using red dots in, in military and law enforcement, because it's the target acquisition is really fast and it, it's just getting muscle memory that when you draw back the dots there, every time you're not thinking about, Oh, I have to do all these other things. Um, and looking through a peep, you know, now, you know, we shoot with the both, ex- both eyes open. Um, so our sight picture is so much better. So explain too, and this is what always amazed me, uh, if I do torque the bow a little bit, even the slightest amount, the red dot disappears, correct? 
it doesn't disappear all all the way. It'll it'll shift a little bit inside the tube. And so a couple things happen when you torque the boat. If we torque a lot, so it, think of putting a um, a paper towel tube on your bow. If we twist our bow a lot, that tube is not pointing at us anymore. It's pointing sideways, and we can't see through it. So that's one thing that happens when we when we torque. But as we torque, our arrow ends up pointing the opposite way when when we do that. And and when you get to the point where your arrow starts to point the opposite way, that's when it really throws you off. But just a tiny little bit of deflection in the dot isn't going to make that much difference. Um, it, it's minute at you know less than fifty yards. So, but your eye wants to center something round so that the tube is round. Your brain just wants to put it in the, in the center every time. And as long as you're doing, <clears throat> doing that with your, with your front hand that you're holding the bow and, and not just moving your head, um, you'll hit in the same spot every time. So talk about, you know, probably uh, the majority of the guys that are buying these systems are guys who are just kind of sick and tired of peep sites. Their, their eyes have gotten weak as they get older. Um, I'm sure you've heard a lot of stories, but is that something, you know, it's safe to say you consistently hear as guys are just almost ready to give up because they can't see through a peep site anymore and they, they kind of find your system. I, I think that's, that's probably better than 80% of the, the guys out there that, you know, they hang the bow, hang the bow up at the end of the year and then they pick it back up in, in July or August and, you know, they're 50 years old and their eyes have gotten a lot, a lot worse and they're not ready to go to a crossbow. But, you know, because the dot looks like it's on the target, our eye focuses on the target and not three feet in front of us. So the dot stays crystal clear. Um, and when we're just leaving both eyes open, the dot just kind of becomes in our vision and, and we stop focusing on something that's an arm's length away. So it's a, it's a major I mean, as far as it's a problem solver there with uh, aging eyes, but even if guys are uh, left eye dominant and they have problems there, um, just shooting with both eyes open solves that issue also. Uh, Talk about the bracket. There's been, uh, you know, red dot systems on the market before, but your bracket was designed differently uh, than most to actually align, you know, with the eye. Kind of explain that. So, our, our bracket, like a traditional, like like a single pin slider, you know, not only does that slide up and down, it's, it moves up and down on an arc. So your body is the center of a of a circle, and as you as we're adjusting that, it it it's t- that red dot is turning slightly, keeping aligned with your eye, so we don't have to change our anchor point. Um, so that that is a huge key, and then just extremely tight tolerances in that dovetail where it slides up and down. And so, you know, if we're off just minute, you know, we try to keep it within a half thousand. So 12 times thinner than your hair is, is what we're striving for in that tolerance. Um, we, we need to keep the, the site, you know, parallel with our, with our bow riser, parallel with our arrow. So all these things are right. It pretty much shoots in the, um, right out of the box. It's almost dead on. Okay. 
And uh, I mean, how long have you been using this system yourself? Well, we've been using the red dot for 30 years and we've been using similar adjustable ones, but the one that we've designed here, you know, we started designing it about two years ago and then just, you know, slowly tweaked it to make it better and better. How many, uh, this will be kind of the last question about it, but I think people would find it interesting. I, I know your partner in this is kind of a perfectionist when it comes to the tolerances and things. How many versions do you think you've had to come up with, you know, the current version that's on the market? Well, the current version is what we call version four. And then we've got a, a version five that, that'll be out here in, in January. Um, but the, the basic, um, ver- you know, it's always kind of been the same. We've just k- kept tweaking it, making it better and better. And that's the nice part of having guys that are, who are designing it and making it that are totally into, you know, engineering and, and design and machine work. And they're not huge outdoors guys. So I just come, keep coming back with saying, this is what we need to do to make it work in the, you know, in the field. And, uh, and they look at it from a totally different perspective is just how do we make it work? And so between those, I think it's a good combination. And that's probably what a lot of people have struggled with over the years is how do we really make it work, um, in the field and, you know, actually the moving up and down on the bow and, and with those tolerances. Okay. Is is there any single pin site that you're aware of that has that arc adjustment um, in the bracket, or are you guys kind of standing alone there? I think we're standing alone there. I don't know whether it would. It does. It doesn't really make a. I don't Heck know. Make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense on, on a pin site because they've got a, you know, a, a front site and a back site. That's how they're keeping, you know, um, that straight. Um, but I don't think anyone did it years ago with the other red dots where people tried it. Um, mm-hmm. And the ones that did, they just, they were close, but they just didn't have it all, you know, together. So I, I think we're, you dotted the I's and crossed the T's. Yeah. And what we started out with to what we have today, you know, where it was really close, but the stuff that, that mattered was, was that, you know, 1,000th difference, you know, and and just making something that's really simple because we try to make it too complicated. There's just too many variables for error. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate your time today and congratulations um, on the big buck. That's awesome. That's your biggest, I understand it. Um, so that's, that's great. And uh, good luck the rest of the hunting season. Okay, thanks. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Um, To learn more about the ARD site and the ARD system, visit uh, www.adjustablered.com. Many of you will probably uh, find that pretty intriguing and possibly even purchase it. So adjustablered.com. To learn more about me or book me for a speaking engagement, Uh, visit tracybreen.com. Have a great day and God bless.